Okay, you should be at Lesson 10. This is Lesson 10. It's called Reconciliation. And uh, we're going through, we're in the section which is called Salvation. And it's a bunch of lessons. In fact, we won't even get through the whole section before the end of the semester. I think there's, uh, we'll get through Lesson 14, and I think there's 16 total. You know, that's through Lesson 16. So we'll see that even at the start of next semester. So as we continue in, in uh, the doctrine of salvation, we're looking at reconciliation. And I think this is probably, uh, as we'd say, probably the most important uh, aspect of all. Let me move this up because this thing always starts off a different way. Okay, reconciliation. So we've, we've already seen that God has this plan, a total plan, a three-phase plan, and we saw it last time. Let me just throw this up for a second. We saw justification, which was past tense. We're saved from the penalty of sin. The provision is Christ. We saw sanctification, which is present tense. We're saved from the power of sin. The provision is Holy Spirit. Let me do it this way, too. I was going to put it up just for fun. There's justification, sanctification, and glorification. This is past, this is past tense. This is what? Present tense, this is what? Future tense. This is you have what? Been saved. This is what? You are being saved. And this is you will be saved. The provision here is Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection. The provision here is the Holy Spirit. Provision here is you can either say Christ return, Jesus return, or anything. The thing or either to go to be with the Lord. A verse here would be what Ephesians what two eight. Now what would be a pretty good verse for this one? Uh, Philippians what two twelve and thirteen. Work out your own salvation. And this one would be what Romans. 1311, our salvation is nearer than it's ever been. So when we think about all of this, it's, it's, it's amazing to say that God has saved us. We have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ. He died and rose again. We're saved and saved forever. We are being saved as we go through our Christian life. The Holy Spirit saves us from the, from the presence of sin, uh, from the Excuse me, this should be power. Did, did I write? What did I write there? Okay. Oh, present tense. I'm not even looking at it right. And so the present tense, the Holy Spirit. And then the future aspect is we will be saved even from the presence of sin. And when Jesus comes to get us, or when we die, to be absent from the bodies present with the Lord. So that, that's powerful stuff. And as we said last week, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that we, we deal with this so much is because so many people will see a verse like, uh, work out your own salvation, and they think it's meaning work for your salvation. Or they'll see a verse that says your salvation is nearer than it's ever been, and they would say something like, well, I thought I already was saved. Well, you are. Justification salvation, we call that eternal life salvation. We call this one Christian life salvation. We call this the future salvation. That's the, really the, some ways to look at it. So we've seen the three phases, justification, sanctification, glorification is future saved from the presence of sin. The provision is eternal life with Jesus Christ. And so as we continue tonight, we're going to look at what we call reconciliation. And reconciliation is, the God's plan of reconciliation is really the story of the Bible. We have seen this over and over and over. I've got, in this lesson we're focusing and reconciliation. What is the overall plan of reconciliation found in the Bible? It's the perfect God bringing a sinful man back into a relationship with himself through his son, Jesus Christ. That's really the story of the Bible. And if you go all the way back to the beginning, and we saw it when Adam and Eve, they fell, and there was the problem, you know, the sin, and God comes and makes a promise that he's going to send the seed of woman and all of that. The bottom line of the Bible is this perfect God who wants to bring man who fails, sinful man, back to himself, back into a relationship with himself, and it's through the Son, Jesus Christ. And that's the story of the Bible. We're going to see it tonight in a little bit more detail. This is for, for many of you. If you've been in the church for any length of time, this is not new. Uh, the, the, for some, the three-phase plan of salvation could be new just because we never put it all, we, we don't always put it together that way. But as far as the, the whole recon, the idea of reconciliation and the perfect God bringing sinful man back to himself, we talk about that all the time. So as we start... And we're going to talk about reconciliation. I want you to look uh, at the end of your lesson, and it should be, uh, it says, uh, uh, I think it's probably blue, and it says salvation, key terms. Is that what you have at the end of this lesson? Uh, okay, if you notice, let's stop for just a second, and I got one of the, hand, one of the books. And there's, we're going to look at these terms, 
And it's going to take a while to go through these terms. And the first one is reconciliation. We already know that definition. Basically, we'll talk about it more in just a second. But then there's the sin. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about spiritual death. We're going to talk about redemption. And then we're going to talk about atonement. And I put the word atonement there, and I'll explain something to you later on. But there is the biblical word for atonement, which means a covering. There is the theological word for atonement that people use that has the idea of payment. And, and I really don't like it personally. People say Jesus was the atonement for our sins. That's theologically speaking. If you say that biblically, he covered our sins. Jesus didn't cover sin. He paid for sin. So we'll talk more about that. If you notice, I don't have a verse beside that because uh, it, it, there's not a New Testament aspect of covering. Because in the New Testament, sin is what? Paid for. So we'll talk more about that when we get to it. And then we're going to look at expiation, which is the word really as a big word for meaning substitution. We're going to look at regeneration. We're going to look at imputation. We're going to look at justification. Uh, propitiation, and then our position. These are key spiritual terms. that We just call them salvation terms. But they're spirit terms that are found throughout the Scripture that over these weeks that we're going to be going through this, we're going to put these together so you can have an understanding. You can know how they fit together. So that if somebody talks about regeneration or imputation or justification or, or redemption or propitiation, because First John 2, 2, what, how does it read? He is the... Propitiation for our sins. We say satisfactory payment all the time, but that's what propitiation means. But some people could read that and it says, for he is the propitiation for our sins only. Uh, not for our sins only, but sins of the entire world. And somebody could say, I have no idea what propitiation means. We want us to know these terms so that when we read the Bible, when we study these things, we have an idea of how they fit together. So let's talk about reconciliation and, and let's define reconciliation. There's a lot of ways to define it. You could just say reconciliation is to bring back together to restore it's the idea of like two things are separated two things maybe it's two things are at odds with one another and reconciliation is to bring two parties back together Charles Ryrie this is Ryrie's definition it is a change of relationship from hostility to harmony between two parties Charles Riley was uh, Charles uh, Riley uh, Ryrie was probably uh, I think the greatest theologian of the 20th century I mean, he's, he's the greatest. And, of course, a lot of people have the Ryrie Study Bible. He was a professor at Dallas Seminary when I was there. And, I mean, he just, he could say more in two sentences than most people could say in a whole page. So, change of relationship from hostility to harmony between two parties. And what we really think about is reconciliation is sinful man is brought back from his rebellion and disharmony with God back to fellowship. So from, his, from rebellion and disharmony with God to fellowship with God. And even to a relation. We, could, we can talk a little bit later about the difference between a relationship and fellowship. But that's really what's going on. And so when we think about reconciliation, and let me, let me, let me do this right here. We've seen this over and over, so it's not new. But we've seen the idea of here's, here, here's God, the perfect God. Here's fallen man. Man sinned. God uses his son Jesus. So this perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. So we need to be back in fellowship with God. In fact, we realize that before we, have trust, before we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, we're enemies of God. Not because he's the enemy. We're the enemy. We've moved away from him. We'll talk more about that in just a second. So what is the problem? Why does man need to be reconciled to God? Well, it boils down to the fact that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and come short of God's glory. That's the problem. Why does man need to be reconciled to God? Think about this. We have rebelled against God. And, and that's every human being. And we're going to get more details as we go through the lesson tonight. But think about this. We not only have fallen short of the God, glory of God, and we're going to see in a little bit that there's a number of words for sin, but there's two, and one of them just means I just, I just don't measure up. I might even be trying as hard as I can, and I just don't measure up. And then we've seen that in Romans 5 eight, God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were yet what? Sinners. And then in 5.10, he says, while we were enemies... A lot of people don't think of themselves as enemies of God. But if you're not a believer, you are, I hate to say it, but we're enemies of God in that way. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. And then, and then we need to think about, okay, so what exactly is sin? Now, if you want a simple definition, the Bible says sin is 
lawlessness. So you can just write that down if you want to. Sin is lawlessness. That's all it is. And lawlessness means it's against the law. It means going contrary to God. And here's a definition that, that I, I really like as, as a good definition for sin. It is rebellion or defection from God's, and I always like to say God's commands or character. You can put this up here. The person who put these notes for me did it a little bit differently. But I, I've got rebellion or defection from God's character or commands. And so when we move away from his character, we move away from his commands, we disobey him, it's rebellion or defection. It's just, and, and you know that, that you can sin what we call, it used to be a, a kind of a, almost a joke, like sin couldn't help it. Like you did it. You'd, you weren't planning to do it. You just did it. And then there's what we call presumptuous sins in which you own purpose sin. So rebellion or defection from God's character or commands is what a good definition of sin. There are a number of Greek words. Well, I used to think there were just like two, but when you start looking it up, you'll find like eight or nine different words in the New Testament for, for sin. They mean miss the mark, to be rebellious, and, and all of that thing. Most people, most people would admit that we sinned, right? I mean, do you know anybody right now that would say that they've never done anything wrong? Unless they're nuts. I mean, you know, and there are people, there are people who, uh, there, are, there are some groups that believe that once you get into their group, they never sin again. And we've talked, to, I mean, I've, I've seen them on TV and then I've read some books by them and they, I think what I think the problem is is they define sin differently than we do, <laughs> and so if, you know because if you can define it differently, you may not say you're sin. But anyway, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what sin really is. So let's talk about. Let me move over here for this. Let's talk about the ways that we're sinners. Man is sinful. Basically, we're sinners in three big ways. Okay, the first one is what we call imputed. Imputed by birth, or I don't really like that, whoever put the slide up. It really is imputed sin. Romans 5, 12. I want you to turn to Romans 5, and we're going to go that this is imputed sin. And let me draw this up. We are sinners because Adam's sin, here's Adam, and here's his, let's just put the, this is the sin, and here's mankind, the whole, all of mankind, his sin is imputed to our account. We're going to see later on when we go through all of these words, if you notice down there, one of these is imputation, which means to credit from one account to another. So the first way we're sinful is imputed, that God, that, that Adam's sin was actually credited to our account. Let's read it. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Everybody over there, Romans 5, I'll give everybody a second to make sure they're there, because they want, you really need to look at the verses, because they're pretty powerful. <clears throat> I want you to see it. Romans 5, verse 12, Paul, of course, is writing about the idea of sinfulness and all this. He says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. What man did sin enter the world? Adam. Now, how did sin enter the universe? Through Satan. We already saw that. So, But through one man, Adam, sin entered the world. And then what does it say? And death through sin. What is the wages of sin? See, when Adam sinned, he brought death into the world. And what a lot of people don't realize, and we talked about it, I think, last week or the week before last, that before the fall, there wasn't death. There wasn't dinosaurs eating each other and all in millions of years and all that mess. There wasn't that because there wasn't any death. Death didn't come till Adam, till Adam sinned. And so this says, as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and then what? Death through sin. Death came. Why? And so death spread to all men. Why? Why did death spread to all people? Because all sinned. So when Adam sinned, we all sinned. It's called imputed. We all sinned. And so technically, this is going to sound silly, but on our account, we all ate the fruit. We did. You could say, I, I don't remember eating the fruit. Well, you did, you know, because it's connected to your account. And so when we think about this, it's through one man. And I, uh, uh, literally, how does Adam's sin affect us? Literally, Adam's sin was imputed and credited to us. I mean, that's really incredible. Now, watch this, because this is something that if you don't read Romans very, you know, if you don't read it, a lot of times we don't look at the Scripture in a lot of detail, but look at this. He says, through, through one man, Adam, sin into the world, and death through sin, death passed through. Because death, death spread to all people. Why? Because all sinned. For until, now this is going to sound weird. For until the law, sin was in the world. Now, people sinned from Adam and Eve and all, but he's saying, but until the law... 
Sin is not imputed where there's no law. Where there weren't the rights and wrongs. Because see, if you remember when Adam sinned, there was only one wrong. And yet he's still a sinner and everybody born after him is sinful. And he says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but it wasn't credited. And then he goes on and says, nevertheless, death came from everybody, from Adam to Moses, even those who had not sinned after the likeness of Adam, who was a type of him to come. He's actually saying, from Adam and Eve to Moses, people sinned, but what brought them death was not their personal sins, but Adam's sin. And that's why all human beings are sinful. Because Adam sinned. If, if, if you came, and, and this is going to sound weird, but if you were able to say, I've never personally sinned, Adam's sin was put on your account. You know. So just to, to think about the idea of imputations. Adam sin. And when we get to the doctrine of imputation, which is later here, you're going to see how God dealt with it, how he removed it, what he did. It's really, really powerful. So the first way that we're sinners is that we're sinners by imputation. Adam's sin credited to our account. And so the bottom line is, and the, well, the second one is inherent sin, which means we inherit a nature to sin. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, we're dead in trespasses and sins. We're going to talk more about it in just a second. I want to show you something. Once again, I majored in art, as you know. Okay, here is, here is Adam. He had a what? A body, a soul, and a spirit. The body held everything together. The soul related to the world around him. That's where he had his mind, his emotions, his will. And then he had a spirit which related to God. When Adam sinned, and then if people in the likeness of Adam were born, this is what, what we call the unbeliever looks like. The body, the soul, the conscience, because God said, now that you know right from wrong, the flesh, we're going to talk more about that, that is the unbeliever. The body holds it together. The soul relates to the world around us. The conscience tells us right from wrong. That's why in Genesis it says, now that you know right from wrong, that's after eating from the tree of the what? The knowledge of good and evil, right from wrong. And then there's a natural bent to sin, which we call the flesh. Sometimes it's called the old man. Sometimes it's called sin within us. Sometimes it's just called sin. Sometimes it's the flesh. It is a natural bent to sin. A natural bent. Ephesians 2 says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You're spiritually dead. Notice the unbeliever does not have the spirit. Because we're spiritually dead. And this is not Holy Spirit. This is human spirit. This is the part of us that relates to God. That's why the unbeliever, 1 Corinthians 2.14, says the natural man, the soulish man, the unbelieving man, cannot know the things of God, cannot understand them all, because we don't have their spiritually uh, discerned. He goes on to say in Ephesians, let me read this to you, in Ephesians 2. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and you walked according to the world, you walked according to the, the, the devil, and then he says... And among them we too lived in the lust of our, what? Flesh. That's it. We inherit. We inherit by nature. We have a natural bent to sin. That comes. That's how we're sinners. We're naturally bent to sin. And we, we don't always think about that way. Listen to this. This is in Romans chapter 7. And Paul talks about this, this part of us. And in Romans chapter 7, uh, whoops. Paul says, For what I'm doing, I don't understand. For I'm not practicing the things I'd like to do. In fact, I'm actually doing the things I hate. Anybody in that boat? Anybody of, uh, anytime we say, I'd really like to live for God and do what's right, <laughs> but. I don't do it, and the things I don't want to do, like seeing and lying and cheating and thinking, I do. And then Paul says, now, it's no longer I am the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. He says, it's my flesh that's doing that. For I know that nothing good dwells in my 
flesh, this part of us, there is nothing good. We cannot correct it, cannot get it better. It's not going to get better as time goes by. The bottom line is there is this natural bent to sin. Let me remind you of something, that when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, we're born again with, with what we call the human spirit. We're spiritually alive, and then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. But there's still the flesh, and there's still the battle going on. So Paul says, I'm not doing what I really want to do, because the things I want to do, I don't do. And then he says, I know that nothing good dwells in my flesh. That is, in me, that is my flesh. And he goes on to say, for the good I want to do, I don't do. But I practice the very evil that I don't want to do. And he says, I find this principle that evil is dwelling in me, present in me, the one who wants to do good. So we have the, what we call the flesh. It is a natural bent to sin. Romans 7, 17 through 21 gives us those verses. And so this is us. And we, we wake up in the morning. I mean, this is a believer. We wake up in the morning and we say, I want to live for Jesus Christ. I want to glorify Him. I got the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a part of us that says, I don't want to live for Jesus Christ. I want to do my own thing. I want to fulfill my own desires, my own lust. And that's how I'm going to live. And we have, that, we have a battle going on. And that's why we talked about it. In Galatians 5, 16 and 17, I think I have it right here. What does it say? Walk in the Spirit, you know, not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, Spirit against the flesh. They're contrary one to another. Now think about that. How do we have victory? He says, walk in the Spirit. He's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's this battle going on between the flesh and the Spirit. And you could actually put it this way as well. There's a battle inside of us that's going on. And so, let me ask you a question. Do we teach children to do wrong or do we teach children to do right? We, have to teach them to do right. They don't, we don't have to teach them to do wrong. They naturally do wrong. We naturally do wrong. Right? I mean, do, we have to teach, oh, do we have to teach us to do right or wrong? We have to teach us to do right. We all say, you know what is right. It is just amazing to even watch little ones, how that, you, that they naturally do wrong. So that's what we're like. That's the flesh. And so what is the flesh? It's that nature that's, that's there. There's a third way that we, that we sin, or sinners, is that it's by choice. It's personal. We choose to sin. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah 53.6, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one our own way. We personally choose to do wrong. Now think about that. We have, a, we, we have Adam's sin into our account. We have a natural bent to sin. And then we actually choose to sin. We choose to do it. Called personal sins. And when you think about it, it's powerful. I've got underneath there two ways that we sin. And I want you to think about it. The first one is we call uh, sins of commission. That means we do what we know is wrong. We do what is wrong. The Bible says, um, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't lust. Don't, and it lists all, all the things that we know are wrong. And we commit sin when we do what we know is wrong. And we do that all the time. It's called sins of commission. And it, it, we, we lie, we cheat, we steal, we do things that we know are wrong. And that's because of this right here. One of these days, one of these days, when Jesus Christ comes and when we're changed and this body will be changed into a glorious body like His, that's called glorification. When that happens, this will be gone. And we will not have a natural bent to sin anymore. And I know all of us are looking forward to that day. We're saying, boy, I'll be so glad when that pull, that natural bent is gone. But right now, there's the battle. And, and then there's this, the third thing, this personal thing, is we choose, we choose to this. We talked about it in Romans where it says, uh, stop letting sin reign in a mortal body. He said, don't, go, don't present the members of your body to the sin, to the flesh, but present it to the Spirit so you can do right. There's a choices every day, every moment of every day. As we go through life, we make choices. We have a natural pull to sin, and then we either can, can obey this or obey this. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. So there's a battle going on. And so when we think about our lives, so oh, we can sin by 
commission, but there's also something else which a lot of us don't think about. We can sin by omission, which means we're not doing what we should. This is harder. When you lie, you know immediately you lied, right? When you commit sin, you say, I did this. I knew I did it. But omission is harder because what should you do that maybe you're not doing? You study to show yourself approved or walk in the Spirit or pray without ceasing or, uh, you know, be generous. Get, you know, all of the things that we know we're supposed to do, well, a lot of times people say, well, I'm not done anything wrong. And we could say, have you studied your Bible? And you could say, well, no, I hadn't done that. Well, then you've omitted. You're not doing what you should do. Now, that's a harder one, isn't it? Because sometimes you say, well, I, I was going to get to it. So, I mean, I hadn't really sinned yet because I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that or something. <laughs> but it's just harder. Uh, it's easier to see a sin of commission than it is a sin of omission because omission means you're just not doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, you know, so it's, it's really, really hard. We often think that sin is doing something wrong, but sin is also not doing what you're supposed to do. So, pretty hard stuff there. So, we've been seeing what man is like. So, let's sort of get a little summary toward the end here. And that is Ephesians 2.1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. I want to put this up for just a second to remind you. I hope you've got this right here. Uh, hate to erase such wonderful drawings, but sometimes you just have to let them go. Okay, he says you were dead in your what? Trespasses and sins. The word sin here, the, the second word, the word sins, is the word harmatia, and it means to miss the mark. And it was originally used that if you were shooting with a bow and arrow, and you were aiming for the, the center, and you let go, and it went off, and you missed it, they would say, you harmatia, you sin, that's sin, and you missed it. And so sometimes we sin because we just don't measure up. Even when we try, we just don't measure up. The other word, the word trespass, actually means to step across the line. And it's more of a judgment, like, here's something that's right or wrong, and I say, I'm going to step across it. It's like you're out hunting or something, and it says no trespassing. And you see the sign, and, and you're not supposed to go there, but you go there. And so this is sin of when you choose. You say, I know this is wrong, I'm going to do it anyway. This is, I, didn't, I just didn't make it, I tried. Yes? Huh? I didn't give the Greek word. There's, there's like three of them that tie in there. So the harmatia is the one for sins, but trespasses are like two or three of them. I just didn't put them down. So uh, one means uh, open rebellion, stepping across the line. The other just means to fall short. So when we think about ourselves, we are sinners by birth, by nature, and by choice. And I really don't... I, 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 we could say, but I know why the person typed in by birth, because they're saying, when you're born in this world, that sin is imputed to you. Uh, but by nature, is that it's inheriting within you that you naturally sin, and by choice, you choose to personally sin. So that's who we are. And so when we start thinking about reconciliation, we say, but we de definitely need to be reconciled. And we're going to see that as we look at these words, like imputation and expiation, and regeneration, and redemption, and propitiation, all these terms we're going to see in these weeks to come, they're going to deal with all of these kind of issues. And so we'll see them as we get there. Well, let's, from this, let's go to, any questions, anything, everybody okay? If you've got a question or input, stop me anytime. Okay? Now we, we want to look at reconciliation. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 which happens to be probably one of the great passages in the Bible. And, you know, we don't always think of that. When you think of Corinth, you think of bad. And so when you think of 1 Corinthians, you think of all the problems. You think of 2 Corinthians, you think of Paul basically getting on him for being mad at him. And so he's dealing with them. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's got to be one of the great passages in the Bible. Uh, it's, it, it's where it says we walk by faith and not by sight. It's where we want to be pleasing to him. Uh, it's where we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged. So 2 Corinthians 5 has all kind of great stuff in it. The reason I love it so much is when you get basically to verse 17, 
of 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. I think that's how I put it. Well, I put it 17 to 20, but you can look all the way through 21 to the end of the passage. I think it's the greatest passage in the Bible on reconciliation. I think since the story of the Bible is reconciliation, this section basically gives us the story of the Bible in detail. And that's why I think it's such a, a special thing. So let's take just a, just a little bit to look at it, and let's talk about the fact that God has reconciled us to himself. And, and we're going to see uh, all of these, these great things. It's powerful. This is the doctrine of reconciliation. Uh, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. And then we're going to see that, that we get to tell others that they can be reconciled to God. So when we look at this passage, we're seeing that God reconciled us to himself. We have a ministry of reconciliation, and that is getting to tell other people how they can be reconciled to God. Uh, you know, I think that we fail so much. When we think about a church, we say, church, what's church? We think of the church as a building, or we think of church as an event instead of church as the people. And then we also just think about we, we come to church, so we gather and we do our thing. We forget, why do we scatter? We scatter so much more than we gather. We scatter to take the message of Jesus Christ into the community, and we'll see more about that in just a second. Well, let's start with Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's, let me go back to verse 17 while, while I put that up there. It says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. How do you get in Christ? When you believe, when you put your faith in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he's, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, new things are come. I think of old things that have passed away, that you were dead in sin, that you couldn't understand God, that you are destined, that you are a child of Satan, that you are destined uh, for uh, the, the lake of fire. And he says, but new things have come. You're now a child of God, and you now can understand the things of God, and you have eternal life, and you're destined for the kingdom, and those kind of things. So I, he says, old things have passed away, new things have come. And he says, now all these things are from God. And so he just stops, and he says, all of this is from God. And then he says, here's what God has done. Watch. All this is from God who, God who did what? Reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, does that sound familiar? That's the story of the Bible. Look at the next verse. Namely, he's going to go back over it again. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and has committed, deposited to us the word of reconciliation. So then he says, twice he says the same thing, basically. And then he tells us what we're supposed to do. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. So we're going to stop and let's think about how powerful this is. The first thing is 2 Corinthians 5, 18. And there, there are three things concerning reconciliation. Let's look at it. The first one is this, is that God did the reconciling. So that word out there, it says, number one, God did the reconciling. Look what it says. God who reconciles us, God does the reconciling. It is God, the perfect God, who reconciles man. God says, I'm bringing man. God does the reconciling. This is all God's plan. It's not man. Man's not looking for God. Oh, we like sheep are going to stray each one our own way. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not one who seeks after God. We're not looking for God. We're doing our own thing. It is God who's looking for us. And I put there uh, Titus 3, 5, uh, not by works of righteousness. Not, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we've done, but according to his mercy. It's his mercy that he does that. And, of course, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is by grace we're saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's the, it's the gift of God. It's God does the reconciling. Now, here's the second thing, and this is what I love. that The reconciliation is to God. Notice I always draw it this way. It is God reconciling man to himself. It's always back to God. Because it's not, God is not the one who moved away. God is not the one who sinned. Man sinned. Man moved away from Adam 
And then from all the people on down, we are the sinful ones. We're the ones like sheep going astray. We're the ones that have moved away. And so it is God who says, I'm going to bring man back to myself. So the reconciliation, God did the reconciling, and the reconciliation is to God. And you got verses like 1 Peter 3.18, you know, that he has, Christ died for sin once for all the just for the unjust to bring us to God, not God to us, but us to God. Verses like that, uh, if you just think about it. And the third thing, and this is what's so great, is is through the agency of Jesus Christ. Listen to the verse again. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us. God did the reconciling to Himself. Reconciliations to God, using uh, His Son. Jesus Christ, reconciled to us through Christ. So that's why I always draw the cross there. Like the idea is, here's the cross through Jesus. God brings man to himself. This is the story of the Bible. And this is what you find right there. Think about it. Let me read it and you think of it in your mind. God reconciled us to himself through Christ. God brought sinful man to himself through Christ. That's the story of the Bible. Reconciliation. It's so perfect. Now, I want you to notice the end of the verse. And gave to us what? A ministry. What's the ministry? Reconciliation. This is our ministry. What is our ministry? Tell people how they can be what? Reconciled. That's our ministry. Now, we're going to talk more. He's going to say more in just a second. So this is that God did the reconciling. The reconciling. The reconciliation is to God, and the agency is Jesus Christ. Look at the verse. There's salvation in no else. There's no other name under heaven by which we have been given among men by which we might be saved. Jesus is the only way. That's why he says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. When people talk about their many ways to God, there aren't many ways to God. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other name, no other way given by which we might be saved. Now, I think on purpose Paul wrote it this way. I think Paul said, let's remember this, that God brings us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry. And then he didn't want us to forget it. So he says, let me give you more details. Namely, look at verse 19. Namely, let me go over it again, that God was in Christ. God was using Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Now, he almost says the same thing again. God was in Christ. God was using Christ. What does it say? God was using Christ, reconciling the world to himself. There it is again. Perfect God brings sinful man to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. It is so powerful. Now, there's a, a great thing there and in this verse because he says, right in the middle, he says, not counting their trespasses against them. Notice the word he uses. He didn't say not counting our sins. That could be harmatia. Which word did he use? He used the word which is rebellion. Not counting our rebellion against us. What Christ was reconciled to the world to. What happened to our sin? By the way, he says, all he says is not counting our trespasses against us. How's that possible? I mean, here's God, and here's us, and we sin, right? And then he says, I'm not going to count them. Not count your sins. How can he do that? Huh? How can he do that? Because he put them where? He put them on Christ. Christ is the payment for sin. Listen, how many sins do... Let's just pretend that we all did a hundred sins. <laughs> Today. No, the truth... Let's say we did. And, and so where, where are the hundred sins? If you look at your record book, here's my record book. This is me. J.B., Sins. I have no sins. I have no sins. I have no past sins. I have no present sins. I have no future sins. That didn't mean I don't sin. Where are my sins? They've been placed on Christ. He is the what? 
satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but the sins of the entire world. On the record book, sin's not the issue anymore, y'all. Right? The issue is Jesus. The issue is faith in Christ, not what do you do with your sins. Because your sins have been placed on Christ. He has not counted your sins against you. Notice the verse again. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world himself, not counting. It's the world. It's every person. It's not just us, not just believers. Reconciling the world himself, not counting their, the world's, trespasses against them. How can he not count sin against people? How can he not count sin against people? Because he, Jesus is the satisfactory payment, not for our sin only, but for the sins of the entire world. Every sin of every human being is placed on Christ. When we do membership training, we, always, we, spend, a, we spend a whole hour on this whole issue of salvation and what Jesus did. Did he pay for all sin? When were the sins paid for? All of that kind of thing. And a lot of people are confused. But Jesus Christ has taken the sins of every person and paid for them. That's why he can say, perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son Jesus Christ. Because the son dealt with it all. So what does he say? Back in 18, he says, you know, God reconciles us to himself through Christ. And he gave us this ministry, ministry of reconciliation. Namely, let me explain it better, that God was in Christ. God was using Jesus, bringing the world back to himself. And he says, and by the way, he didn't count their trespasses against them. And then he goes on and says, and he has committed to us. And by the way, the word commit means deposited. He has deposited to our account what? The word of reconciliation. The word. It's a ministry that is a message. What is the message of reconciliation? God loved the world. He gave his son. Whoever believes will never perish, but have everlasting life. That's our word. That's our message. That's what we tell people. That's our message. He says, don't worry about it. If any man's in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away, new things have come. All this is from God who's reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and gave us the word of reconciliation. That's every one of us in this room. We've got that. We've got the message. We've got a ministry. And see, we've got a ministry, and what do we tell people? Be reconciled to God. How do you reconcile to God? Answer is pretty much the same every time. Just say Jesus and faith, and you got it on almost everything, right? I mean, think about it. Look what he goes on to say. And this is why I think it's so important that we go over this. He says, therefore, therefore, remember, what's a therefore, therefore? sums it up. He's been talking about all of this. God reconciling the world to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And, all this, and he's given us this ministry. Therefore, we are what? We're ambassadors for Christ as though God were making appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ. What? What's our message to people? Be reconciled to God. How are we reconciled to God? By faith in Jesus Christ. And so I've got, I think, what, top of that next page? I didn't look. Top of the next page. 2 Corinthians 5.20, our responsibility. We are what? Ambassadors for Christ. By the way, he, put, he bore our body. He, put our, he paid for the sins. Our sins were placed on Christ on the cross. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 20 says, our responsibility. We are ambassadors for Christ. I know it went fast, but we already talked about it. Did we, did we, did we need that? This, this 1 Peter 2.24, I, I quoted that one a while ago, but he bore our sins in his body. Our sins were placed on Christ. That's what we talked about right here. And so Christ was in, I was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And so how did he, what happened to our sins? They were placed on Christ. Okay, everybody got that? You don't have to write down every word. Just the idea of knowing that is the key. Maybe 1 Peter 2.24. And so then, 2 Corinthians, we are our responsibility. We're ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were what? As though God were what? What does it say? As though God were making an appeal through us. 
beseeching is that word. We beg you. We beg you. By the way, when we talk to people about Jesus Christ, it's not take it or leave it. You know, this is just a message. You know, you can like it or not like it. Paul says, we beg you. We beg you. Look at this. This is what God has done for you. We beg you. Paul says, we persuade people. Our goal is to persuade people. Our goal is to say, here's what happened. Jesus died for you, and if you believe in him, you have eternal life. And they believe it. They're persuaded. That's what the Bible uses the idea of persuading all the time, that we help people understand it. So in in one sense, we could put this. God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation or the word of of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. And we know what it is. He's not giving it here. He's not telling everything. All he's saying is, just remember that God brought man to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. This message has to deal with Jesus, right? I mean, that's the message, isn't it? I mean, who do we represent? We're ambassadors for who? What does it say? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Some people say, we're ambassadors for our church. You don't represent your church. I mean, you could say, I go to Stillwater Bible, and it's a great church, and we want you to all come here. But you don't represent Stillwater Bible. You represent Jesus Christ. We belong to Him. We're children of God. Uh, we, we belong to the Father. We, we are the body of Christ, and we represent Jesus Christ. And it's okay to talk about our church, and we got a great church. I mean, I'm telling you, I'd love everybody to come here. But we don't represent the church. We represent Jesus Christ. Now, we can talk about our church and say, if you want to know about Christ, come to our church. But the, 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 or, you know, as we tell them, and if you want to grow as a believer and all that. But who do we represent? We're ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making appeal through us. It's, it's God is saying, I'm using you to make an appeal. So what do we do? We beg you. We beg people on behalf of Christ. This is the message. Be reconciled to God. Of course, he ends the passage, and that's one reason. Sometimes we, we just stop there, but he tells us how all this is possible. Because God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. He took our sin. He became sin on our behalf. So that results that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. By faith, we get righteousness. So he says, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to take our sin so that we get the righteousness. And righteousness comes by faith. Reconciliation. I have a story to tell you. <clears throat> There's a book. Don Richardson wrote a book years and years ago. Well, I got pneumonia when I was coaching at Mississippi State. And I had to be in the hospital for three days, and then I had to be inside for 10 weeks. Couldn't go outside for 10 weeks, except I couldn't go to practice. So I had to stay in the field house, and I did get to go to the games, staying on the sidelines. I had to tell you the story one time. They said, do not, you do not need to get wet. And we were playing William and Mary in football in Jackson, Mississippi. And before the game, pregame warm, it's raining. And then when time for the game, it stopped raining. First half, I was on the sideline. It never rained a bit. We went in for halftime. It rained during the halftime. And we came out the second half. It stopped raining. It did not rain any time during the ball game. So I got to stay on the sideline the whole time. But anyway, while I was sick, while I was sick, I, I found two books. One of them was Through Gates of Splendor, and the other one was Peace Child. Anybody ever heard of Peace Child by Don Richardson? It's an amazing book. He went to this area, I, I can't even remember, was it New Guinea, wherever he went? And he went there, and he was going to evangelize these, these tribes. And there were two tribes that lived next to each other all the time. And they hated each other, and they speared each other all the time, and they ate each other all the time. And so when he got there, he brought tools, and so they, wanted, they let him stay because he brought web, you know, tools for them to like axes and things. And so they sort of let him be their friend. But they still speared each other. And they had this idea that uh, what you could do is you could make friends, like you would get friendly with somebody from the other tribe, and you would act like you were their friend. And over a period of months, you would build a friendship with them. And then you would eventually invite them to your house, to your tribe. And you would come, and while you were there, they'd kill you and eat you. And they thought, this is wonderful, deception. And so while Don Richardson is there, 
he's trying to bring them together and they won't listen to anything. And he gets to one group and he says, let me tell you the story. And he tells the story of Jesus. And when he gets to the part about Judas betraying Jesus, they all started clapping and cheering. And Judas became the hero because he tricked Jesus. And that's what they were famous for, tricking each other. And one time it just got so out of hand, he finally said, I'm leaving. And we're going to get a chopper, we're going to get something in here, and I'm leaving, I'm leaving you. And they didn't want him to leave. And he says, I cannot stay here as long as you kill each other. And so they said, we'll solve it. And so he didn't know what they were going to do. And one morning he woke up, and the tribes had lined up. And one tribe, all the men on one side, all the way down, and the other men from the other tribe all the way down. And the king had his son in his arm. And the king of the other tribe had his son in his arm. And they walked out. And they switched sons. And they walked back. And they called that the peace child. Because as long as his son was alive in that tribe, they, wouldn't hurt, they would not hurt each other at all. And vice versa. And they called him the peace child. And when we think about the Bible, we're all enemies. We've all gone astray. And God has sent the peace child, Jesus Christ, to come to the earth, to die on the cross, to pay for sin. And having been justified by faith, we have what? We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we think about reconciliation, those two tribes were reconciled because of the peace child. We're reconciled to God because of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died in our place, who became the substitute so that we would be brought into a relationship and fellowship with the living God. God reconciled man to himself through Christ. Namely, God was using his son, bringing the world back to himself, not counting our sins. He deposited them on Jesus. And therefore, we have a ministry of reconciliation. We have a word of reconciliation. We are ambassadors to tell the world about Jesus Christ, about the peace child. And I remember reading that book, basically, and I was in the hospital when I read that one, and I thought, wow, wow. And later, a few years later, when I went to Dallas Seminary, uh, we had a mission conference. Guess who came to speak at the mission conference? Don Richardson, yeah, the author of Peace Child. I wanted to go, hey, I read your book. It was real good. You know, good stuff. All right. Uh, so here's the summary. Because we've all sinned and need a Savior, God in His grace and mercy reconciles us to Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ, and gives us the responsibility of telling others. Wow, is this great? Okay, here's, the, here's, the, here's that memory verse. <laughs> Oh, it's not that hard, is it? Well, anyway, it is. It is. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, new things have come. All these from God has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of recognition. Namely, God was what? In Christ, not, not counting, you know, in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. And he is what? Committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors of Christ, though God did beseech to us. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Do what? What do we beg him? Be reconciled to God, for he has made him a new no sin to be what? Sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, you know these verses. You know this one for sure. And these others aren't hard if you know this right here. See, so uh, it's going to be worth at least five points. No, it's going to be worth more than that. <laughs> okay, and then here's another memory verse. Oh, my gracious, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my what? Witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even the most part of the earth, because that's what we got to do is spread the message.